Podcast. I'm your host, Tim, and joining me today is a man last week who had no faith that the Knicks and the Heat were going to meet up in the second round. I'm curious how he feels this week. What's up, Scotty? How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, eat a little bit of crawl, a little appetizer. Hopefully no dinner on that one. Jimmy motherfucking Butler. Trust me, I'm a man that doesn't curse much, but that deserves the motherfucker. He is one of the greatest in the playoffs. This is a team that absolutely shit the bed in the regular season. And of course, as a biased fan, I was like, nah, they'll turn it up. They're built with playoff players. Kyle Lowry maybe will be able to do something. Tyler Hero before the hand injury. I thought would be able to be a good, nice, uh, you know, role player in the playoffs, dropping 25 points. Who knew Duncan Robinson can come in and hit a couple of threes, finally make up for that, you know, lack of performance uh, past couple of years. Um, and Jimmy Butler, none other than Jimmy Butler, a man that looked like he was absolutely exhausted midway through the game after one quarter. Like, I was like, there's no chance. The Bucks full steam ahead. Giannis Attentacumpo was doing the Tasmanian double, spinning on everybody, dunking on everybody. Brooke Lopez hitting the threes. I'm like, yo, this team is going to torch them. There's no way Miami can go up 3-1. But guess what? Jimmy Butler, six minutes left in the game, scored 20 points. The Bucks only got 13, but Jimmy outscored them 20 to 13 in the last six minutes. Were you able to watch the game? What did you think of that? Uh, I did watch most of the game, just a few minutes, but uh, I saw the end, particularly like the final fourth quarter, and I almost turned off. That the Giannis makes that great no look pass, Lopez sure. lays it in. It's at twelve with six minutes left, and normally if it gets down to like twelve, like two minutes left, I'm like, all right, I give it like three more minutes. I'm thinking the Bucks gonna go up maybe fifteen at this point. I give it three more minutes and get ready for the next game. Sure, you know that that's some especially it was like a really nice no look pass by Giannis. Like, oh, that felt like a finishing play. If I like that, that's yeah. that's it. Bucks are in control. Yeah, and, and then we just favorites, even though they're on the road, um, they were up one hundred nine to eighty nine with six minutes left, and then thirteen points. That's all they could do. It was incredible. Like honestly, Jimmy Butler, he could only score two points in the second quarter. He had where is it? I mean, he's averaging thirty seven points per game. On 14 makes, 22 attempts, 63% for the whole series. In game four, 56 points, fourth most all time. Michael Jordan, 63, the magical, you know, yeah. loss, but he scores 60. Yeah. Jesus this is a man, Michael games? Jordan, by the way, random fact, nerdy sports audience. Michael Jordan has scored 50 plus points in the playoffs eight times. There's wow. a reason why people say he's the GOAT, right? Yeah. But he's fourth all time. He's tied with, uh, you know, our good man, Charles Barkley, for fourth. Um, Bubble Donovan Mitchell got uh, 57, 57. points. But uh, Jimmy had 22 points in the first quarter, 2 points in the second, 11 points in the third, and then 22 points in the fourth. 20 of those were in the last 6 minutes. It was wild. Well, I don't want to take anything away from what Jimmy did because I think you actually said that too fast. He was shooting 63%. Like, you gotta 63% let that... in the playoffs, yes. Like, let that settle in. He's a guard. <laughs> I mean, prime Shaq, like 2001 Shaq, yeah. is shooting like 61% or something, Yeah, you know, as a center. And probably his like best year was maybe 2001, around then, 2002. Like 63% is just insane. That's like what a quarterback throws their accuracy. That's not what basketball players shoot. No. 
That's incredible. And over 50 from three, I don't remember the exact number. I think it's like 54 or something like that from three-pointers also. Which, and he's not like, you know, a legendary three-point shooter. Not at it's all. Just Actually, the game, I was like, he's not going to have legs to hit these threes. And then like with three minutes left, he like jumped higher than I've ever seen him jump before at the three-point line. Dagger. And when he like dunked, I know like it was the first quarter, but like Giannis was also out of position. But Giannis goes for the block. He gets a hand on the ball. Jimmy dunks on him. Like, you know, side. It wasn't a full poster, but he, he dunked. I was like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe. But we need more than just Jimmy. And I'm like, all right, Duncan, what can you do? But who knew? Jimmy could hit 50. Unreal. But there's but, a reason why they're heavy dogs tonight. I mean, tonight's matchup's disgusting. I have it here. I think they're like 12-point dogs or something. It's absolutely unreal. Yeah, 12-point yeah. dogs. But all you know, the... Uh, all the teams are down 3-1. The Cavs, the Grizzlies, and the Bucks are all favored. Um, but nobody's favored as much as the Bucks, of course. But here's the, you know, our championship favorite, our number one pick. Yeah. Down 3-1 to, uh, to the Miami Heat. That lost to the Hawks. Pretty consensus. I, I felt like we were going on a Lynn Vegas' no, 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 favorite. I agreed with you. you know, everybody was <laughs> saying the favorites. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's what's so surprising. Nobody wanted to accept as even as mommy's make Miami's making a run, and you're like, no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And then they like tied a game, and the Bucks actually score to take a two point lead with 90 seconds left. And you still in your mind, you're like, okay, up two. You have Giannis. Yeah. You should be able to close here. Uh, I don't want to take anything away from Jimmy at all, but I do want to mention for a second. Um, I mean, that is a. I don't want to be prisoner at the moment, but a borderline fireball offense by Boonozer. You let a 12 0 run without calling a timeout. Yeah. There's no at, at six at six oh run, it's gotta be a timeout. Yeah. Eight oh run, it's a timeout. I I mean ten, I don't know, ten's a big difference from ten from twelve, but at ten, like how is he got running out of the court getting a technical just to get a timeout called? Like you're just sitting there watching the lead melt like a popsicle in Miami seat. It's it, it that's a terrible, unacceptable coaching job there to not call a timeout. And then the whole coaching plan as a whole. Miami without Tyler or the second best scorer. There's not a lot of people that can score on that team. Duncan mm-hmm. Robinson's hitting threes, but is it a crazy philosophy to consider double teaming a guy? He's shooting yeah. over 60%, and you don't want to call a double on him. Why? That's what I thought it with the blows Boston. my mind. That's what I thought with Boston last night, guarding Trey Young, another performance. So, Nerdy mm-hmm. Sports audience, our plan this week was actually to like do a deep dive into the history of the Celtics and 76ers series. Two teams that no, no two other teams have faced each other more times in the playoffs. I'll break it down later, but like all of a sudden the Hawks, you know, they're they're playing tomorrow. We weren't supposed to have any basketball tomorrow, but Trey Young, after shooting four for twelve from three, hits a dagger three pointer to get up two and win the game. Ice cold Trey, unbelievable. I want to look big picture on that one because I, I hate to overlook. Atlanta, because I, I still believe, and I think most people believe, that Boston's going to win the series. Like, right now, we're like, no, that's yeah. just not even like Miami's up 3-1. But Atlanta's still down 3-2, and people are like, they're not going to win two more in a row. That would be three in a row. It's not going to happen. There's seven feel. underdogs on at home tomorrow. But here's the thing. People might have gotten because Philadelphia is the only team that had advanced. Well, at, that last night, a couple it, of teams advanced. They've been resting for a long time. Embiid hurt his knee. So every game you lose to Atlanta, if you're Boston, that is critical. Yes. If you win last night, game one, Embiid might not play. Now maybe he does play game one. So instead of getting maybe an easy game one against Philly with no Embiid, you might have him the entire series. What if you could have swept Atlanta 
which we felt they could have, and we weren't that much on them. I think most people felt they could have swept in. Then you could have played Philly, only getting like two days rest, probably no Embiid for game one, maybe no Embiid for game two, and maybe walk an easy series. Let's say, theoretically, he's out for the first two games. Very possible, because he still might miss game one, and it's been an extra five, six days. You might have been able to take an easy 2-0 lead and basically cruise that series, and now he might be at say, 80-90% health playing A1 because you're giving him this extra almost week now of rest. What if Atlanta wins one more game? It'll be up to a full week of rest that Philly just gets to sit in the sideline and watch Boston play with their food, for lack of better words. Basically. No, I totally agree. I mean, coming into this, I was like, all right, I guess I'll pick Boston because if something happens to Giannis, if something happens to Milwaukee, then the Celtics are the team to beat. And they still are. A lot of people are still picking them to win. And they were minus 1,200 to win that series versus the Hawks for a reason. But for, like, another coaching error. Like, what's he doing, man? I mean, he's a first-year head coach in the playoffs, trying to figure it out. But it seems pretty simple to me. Like, the Cavs issues with JB, like, another coaching issue. Like, Like, the Cavs basically are losing, in my opinion, primarily because they're playing too many bigs. For Jared Allen, and I, I know they're like two of their best players, right? Like, it's basically four guys, and then nobody else on the Cavs. But it, it's not the NBA that you're going to play Al Horford and Robert Williams. Like, you got to have yeah. Derek White in the starting lineup. You got to have, obviously, Brown and Tatum. And then, and then Marcus Smart's got to come off the bench. I know Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year yesterday or last year, but, like, he couldn't even guard Trey Young. Like, he can't guard anybody this year. Like, He's yeah. a fluke right now. It's it's tough to and see. He, I'm nervous about him. I'm not gonna lie. It, it's not a crazy thing, and it unlike unlike shooting, there's shooter slump. They say shoot your way out. Yeah. Defense no, exactly. is all effort, hustle, and energy. So it's not uncommon to see a defensive player of the year kind of drop off because you just hit it. You hit a brick wall. It's like age and effort. So it's not against him. Like I've seen other defensive players where one year they're great, the next year they drop because you just get one year older. You know, it's not shooting where. It is a diminishing return. It drops fast. One year you're an offensive better. The next year you're just one year older. You're a little. You got one step shorter. You can't defend as well. And he's not a great offensive player. That's hurt him. You mentioned a coaching thing, almost identical to Milwaukee. They were up twelve points, very similar, with five minutes of twenty seconds left, against a. They're a much superior team. The only reason that that's not being like completely hungover is because everybody still thinks they're going to win. They're still up three games to two, and it's just going to be like, well, who cares? It's like the Steph Curry timeout, which maybe we'll mention later, where it's like, okay, Golden State wins the game. So it's like, oh, that's a funny thing. Now we move on from it. If, if the end result is the same, nobody's going to care. But we'll see in the second round, assuming again, Boston gets there, does that affect it? And will we be looking back at this if they're in game seven with Philly and say, man, you know, they could have had Philly on the ropes, but instead they gave them an extra four days rest. Trey Young scored 38 points on 33 shots. How can you not double-team the guy? You have Malcolm Brogdon, an amazing defender, sixth man of the year. Just lock him up. There's no DeJounte Murray. Nobody trusts Collins. Stop lobs to Capella. You have Robert Williams, one of the best defenders. I know Alpha Orford's a great vet, veteran presence, but he's more of like, he's a little too slow right now. He's getting a little quick. Like, it, it seems pretty simple. You know, of course, from our perspective, like, we think we could do a better sure. job. And I'm not saying I could specifically do a better job, but it seems pretty obvious. Like, Malcolm Brogdon locked down Trey Young. I'm sure it'll happen tomorrow night. You know, they're, they're seven-point favorites 
on the road in Atlanta for a reason. Um, you know, but they're two losses away from losing. It's definitely possible. We thought it was 100% a lock. We were debating who's going to get swept, like who has the higher odds of getting swept. You know, the Nets, who are clearly worse than the Hawks, but like we just didn't trust the 76ers as much as the Celtics. But honestly, like kind of a coin toss at this point. I'll still take Boston. I do have both teams in our little pick them. But what do you think? So if we project, who would you take next mm-hmm. round? Let's say the Sixers and the Boston Celtics both make it. Who would you take heads up? Let's say Embiid's health. Well, you know, I'll just say in, in a, a way almost in Milwaukee is this. Uh, I'm happy that the East got a lot more entertaining. We mentioned before I started, we said, oh, this East looks a little like chalk. Uh, now suddenly the East seems a lot more open. You have Milwaukee maybe not getting out of the first round. Cleveland being upset. Boston having some flower So I feel like the East now just became a lot more entertaining. When the Florida players started it, I was like, oh, man, I just want to watch the West. The East is going to be just chalk. So that's great for all of us as fans. If today I still lean toward Boston, I think they match up really well with Philly in the regular season. The last two playoffs they beat them. So I still lean toward that, and I don't trust playoff James Harden, who has been playoff James Harden. He has not been there. Luckily, Tyrese Maxey has been covering that, and really James Harden is now at three for them. So I lean toward Boston, but it it's closer now for me. Yeah. Like, if it was before the playoffs started, and we assumed these teams would meet in the second round, I was leaning like 75% Boston. Now I'm more like 55%. Like, it's very close. And, you know, a question people have to ask themselves, you can go all the way back to uh, September, October, is coaching situation. There was a big coaching scandal for Boston. We know what happened there. They had to let a building move on to a first-year coach. And the Trey Young thing is this first-year coaching mistakes. Mm-hmm. What if they still had Imodoka? Would they be in a better position? How would they be? You know, is that going to come back to Hullenham eight months later? And now Ime's in Houston. He, he got signed with the Houston Rockets. Bunch of, you know, it, it's tough. To, you know, you yes. kind of got to get rid of him from the culture situation, but he was a great coach for sure. No, I was, you have yeah. to get rid of him. I agree. Oh, I'm but, just saying, if they end up losing, you'll have to scratch your head and wonder what they would have been if there wasn't sure. a scandal, if they could have kept him. I mean, they're so great. Have like, you know, Jason Tatum after last year, I'm like, okay, he's going to take that next step. And I feel like, it is tough to keep taking that next step each and every year, which makes like guys like Steph Curry and LeBron James so incredible that they could just keep going and going and going and getting better and better every year. You know, even somebody like Kawhi, like, you know, I mean, this is a whole different story, but he is basically, you know, an up and down uh, career where at times I'm like, dude, you should be like the best player in the world, but you're just not playing enough. That's a whole different story. But like, all right, I want to give you the little history lesson. Um, we're going to mainly focus on it, but I might as well just kind of run through it real quick. So between the Celtics and 76ers, they played 109 playoff games. Celtics have won 62 of those, so 62 to 47. Um, all the way back dating to when, uh, you know, Philadelphia was in Syracuse. They were Syracuse Nationals, which they became the Sixers in 1963. Um, but if for some reason the 76ers played Hawks, then we have a rematch of Trey Young versus Joel Embiid, where, where Trey Young was able to make the Eastern Conference Finals after beating the 76ers in seven games in 2021, you know, and where people are like, oh, well, maybe this guy's good. You know, maybe he's that next level. And the whole Luka Doncic trade isn't, the whole Luka Doncic trade wasn't just like a joke. It's like, okay, maybe it's just yeah. like 
pick your poison. Who's a better offensive threat? They both suck on defense, but who could actually, you know, create more? Like, Trey Young's almost a much better passer than he is a shooter. You know, I thought he would be able to, like, light it up from three, but shooting, like, you know, five for 13 isn't... It's it's not the worst, but it's not great. Um, but he just, he just keeps shooting. And I feel like Trey Young, all of a sudden, I mean, he won most overrated player of the year from the players. The players, you know, voted themselves. You know, he's a guy that just doesn't even fit. And I remember I was uh, listening to the Bill Simmons podcast, and Kyle Mann was talking about who would you rather, Derek White or Trey Young? And it was almost like easy. They're like, of course, Derek White. And I'm like, oh, geez, is Trey Young really this like underrated or overrated? And now all of a sudden, I feel he's a little underrated. You know, how do you how do you feel about how like what percentage chance would you give them to win the series? To win two? Uh, I mean, I would give them maybe okay five percent exactly chance. I, I don't, you know, I I don't think that's a good matchup for them at all. Um, you know, something to keep in mind is Trey Young the most overrated player, or just is it more likely he's the most disliked player? Because <laughs> he makes <laughs> yeah, right? he's so cocky and he's he like, scores, you know, he's mid, he's active. He scores a three pointer with a, I mean, he scores a two pointer with seven yeah. seconds left. That gives him the one point sure. lead initially, seven seconds on the clock. He starts jumping. The team does not celebrate with him at all. His own teammates. Do not like him. There's been rumors about it. The Atlanta Hawks franchise mentions trade rumors for him. What, 48 hours before the playoffs started? They dropped that leak. The franchise leaks that they're thinking of trading him on the offseason 24 hours before the playoffs started. Even though a lot of people are like, oh, well, Boston's going to sweep or whatever. Still, you think you want to give your team in a good mental stage right before they're about to play Boston? Like, yeah, we're probably going to trade our best player. Like, maybe he's not the most rated player. Maybe he's just the most disliked player. Remember, you just mentioned that poll was an anonymous poll yes. by the players. And if the players put who's it, like the players do have bias, just like any human being, especially if you're anonymous, you're going to skew it. it for you to pick somebody that's saying is the most overrated part of that might be like, I don't like playing with the guy. Mm-hmm. So I think that has to weigh in. Maybe he's not the most overrated. Maybe he's just somebody that nobody could get along with. He's buried through three head coaches. And like I said, we have anonymous teammates coming out. We have the franchise. People don't want to play with him. So it could just be more of that because clearly he's got some skills. He can ball. Like all you gotta do is look at the last game. Yeah, but you need a little bit more in the NBA. You know, there's a lot of guys that can score. You know, I think about this all the time. Seeing a guy like uh, Keldon Johnson on the Spurs, he was one of the like league <laughs> leaders in points per game this year. Like, how many guys can actually score like 25 points a game if you just give them as much you know as much play as possible? Yeah. If you're gonna give me 38 shots and I'm a shooter, I should be able to score 30. Like, come on, you know? So I could see why that's a guy I don't want to play hoops with if, like, I am skilled. And that's why DeJounte Murray is a tough fit. But maybe they got DeJounte Murray to replace Trey Young. They're like, all right, let's see if they could work. I thought it was a weird fit, and it was awful. That's why I was so disappointed when the Heat lost to them in the play. And I'm like, oh, shit, maybe everybody was right. Maybe the Heat do so. And, uh... No, the Heat just a uh, playoff Jimmy yeah. is playoff oh, Jimmy. Yeah. He does not include play. He's not playing Jimmy, clearly. <laughs> Maybe we learned that this year, that he's only playoff Jimmy. Playing does not count for him because Miami's playing was very disappointing. He's easily the best player yeah. in the playoffs right now, you know? It's not yeah. – it's crazy, especially with the head-up matchup with Giannis. You know, like Devin Booker is lighting it up too, but he's at least, like, shooting a few more 
or a few less shots a game. They're both averaging 37 a game, 14 makes, but Booker averages two more attempts. Like, it's not a big difference. But he's also, him and Kevin Durant are playing three more minutes than any other player in the whole playoffs per game. They never get benched. It's wild. Um, I think they are going to enjoy a little bit of rest. Um, but that that Denver-Phoenix matchup is extremely interesting. You got the Suns, second pick. I got the Nuggets real late. How do you feel? How do you feel about that? I want to do a heavy deep dive in the East. Let's let's just splash a little Suns Nuggets preview. Well, uh, I definitely agree with you. I think Phoenix is lucky to get some time off because they need it more than anybody else. They got Durant and Booker are number one and number two in minutes. Um, I can't remember which was first, but those are the top two. Chris Paul is number nine, I think, and at like thirty-eight years old, too. On top of that, yeah, They're playing oh, like six-guy rotation basically. Um, they need to rest more than anybody else. And I, I got to be honest, I'm not confident. I took Phoenix my second pick. I'm like, oh, this is the best team in the West. I'm not confident at all yeah. right now. And I, I got to like, I would say it's a coin flip for me. It's 50-50 at this point. Pre-playoffs again, like, you know, we're making a pick. So pre-playoffs, I'm like, oh, they're going to crush them. And I thought they were going to crush the Clippers, which gave them a, a dogfight, especially considering there was no Kawhi. And I was like, oh, they crushed past the Nuggets. Now I'm like, I don't know. I could very easily see Denver winning because besides the fact you have two levels of fatigue, you have fatigue where I wonder, can Phoenix play? And V, the more fatigued you are, the more likely you are to have a stress injury. And if somebody goes down, especially they got players with injury histories, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, that it's over. Like, let's go back a few years ago. I think it was, was it 2017 when Chris Paul was with the Rockets? They up three games to two on Golden State. He tweaks his hamstring. That's a partial fatigue injury. Like, that's a tweak injury. You know, it's not like I broke something. It's just a fatigue injury. Could that happen again? And they're already playing like a six-minute rotation. So I'm worried that one of their more injury-prone players particularly could just give out. Never mind. Exhaustion. You know, you start missing shots. Like, oh, Kevin Durant is cold. Is he cold or is he just tired? And that's why the shots are coming up short. So the example yeah, they're expecting that. him to be like the best defender as well. You know, it's tough with Chris Paul, especially now in his career. It, it's hard to bet against Donovan. Uh, sorry. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, it's really tough to bet against them. But Aiton's not a dog. And for him to play defense against Jokic, oh my God, that's going to be tough. Jokic's just going to toy with him. He's so much smarter. He's, you know, arguably the best player in the NBA with Giannis and Joel Embiid. But I don't really even consider Embiid on that level right now. I would still lean Phoenix. I got to go with Phoenix just because Kevin Durant. But like you're saying, his likelihood of injury is so much better, so much greater than Jokic. And if the Phoenix Suns can't guard Norman Powell and Russell Westbrook after everybody wanted to just toss Russell Westbrook to the curb, how are they going to handle Jokic and Murray and, and Porter? Uh, Michael Porter Jr. may have a, an amazing series. He may not be able to like last a whole regular season, but that man's got a lot of talent. This team also knows like yeah. everybody's shitting on them and. This is the time to shine. Like, I would much rather have the chemistry than have the skill. You know, that's what really wins in the NBA. Like, it's hard to bet against Kevin Durant. I'm just such a Kevin Durant fan. That man has consistently just been absolutely phenomenal each and every year. He, he's made the playoffs so many times. He's lost to the champion, like, um, I think five times or something in his career. But let's, uh, let's circle back to the East. I'm very curious. So my opening was kind of joking about your 
your your comment last week was about i was like all right man i was thinking in my car ride home from the hamptons long week a little little little, little just relaxing listening to podcasts and i'm like and this was a week ago i'm like oh my god is it possible are the heat gonna be able to play the knicks like for me that was my childhood like that was everything they played in the playoffs in 1997 1998 1999 and 2000 that's when i was like seven to ten that was like wow. prime like just getting all the juices getting getting excited about basketball I, I can't like have a vivid memory of what exactly happened but i remember loving it and i'm like my my brother was a knicks fan i was a heat fan just because brother rivalries and all that kind of stuff um so i was always excited to see them play back in the playoffs again and it didn't happen until 2012 um and at that point we all know what happened the miami heat were just you know the heatles and and wrecked everybody even the the boston celtics you know they destroyed that team oh my god they're so amazing that year and they were so determined to win after losing to the mavericks the year before nobody was going to stop them so you know that was a four to one heat victory it wasn't even close but you know the knicks historically have pretty good uh tracking record against the heat but it's kind of funny actually in the regular season the Knicks have won 79, uh, sorry, in the regular season, the Knicks have won 69 wins. Uh, the Heat have 65. And in the playoffs, it's 15 to 14 with the Heat getting the lead. Like, even this regular season, it was such a coin flip. Like, it's such a tight matchup. They know the rivalry. It's, um, it's just something I really want to watch. I'm so excited for the potential possibility. And now they're both up 3-1. They're both playing tonight, potentially clinching. The Heat, of course, are twelve point dogs. The Cavs are, I think, four point dogs. Um, sorry, the Knicks are four point dogs because the Cavs are down three one at home. Like you can't possibly lose. But let's focus on the Knicks since we talked so much about Jimmy Butler. Let, let's give the Knicks a little love. Um, we were talking about the coaching before, coaching mismatch. We were talking about the bigs before. It's hard to see like Jared Allen and and um, you know Evan Mobley at the same time. Like I think Evan Mobley is just not ready yet. Um, without over explaining myself, let's, let me hear your thoughts on, uh, on the Knicks and the Cavs and, uh, what percentage chance would you give the Cavs to come back down three to one? Can they win three in a row? Like that's so hard, right? Uh, yeah. I don't think they can. I mean, I, I know I picked the Cavs before the series started. I, I think you did too, even though you had the Knicks in the draft, but like just the prediction. And then we both said after game one that this was a number one series. Like, okay, I only need one game where every other game was like, not be a personal moment. Okay, one game. No, the Knicks are going to win this one. And they've done so. Like, they've undressed the Cavs. I mean, you look at the scoring for the Cavs. 93, 79, 90. They, they can't score. And I don't understand why. I mean, first of all, the 79 jumps out. Like, in today's NBA, yeah. 2023 NBA, 79 points is like... People hit that at halftime, and it's not uncommon. I'm not saying every half, but you'll see an oh, 80-point first half about once a week in this regular season. You'll see it. 79 points, are you kidding me? Like, They're so what dis- happened? Oh, man. Do- the lowest of the whole Donovan playoff Mitchell so had far. that first great game one. Even lower than the T-Wolves. And where all that guy is Anthony Edwards. Yeah. And, like, you know, I, I, uh, I feel like you know, I'm giving a compliment and an insult at the same time, but, you know, Tom Thibodeau is thoroughly out-coaching Cleveland. And he hasn't been what's considered a great coach in almost 10 years, like since he was back in Chicago. Since then, there's anything uh, he was voted actually most uh, 
coach that players least likely want to play for in the same poll that had the most overrated player, Trey Young. Players voted Thibodeau, the last coach they want to play for. So it's not like he's known as this guru. Like, you know, Spolster, I would say, his top three might be the best coach, what he's doing with Miami. Tom Thibodeau is not supposed to be this ultimate genius, and he is undressing Cleveland. They, I don't know what's going on there. It's like, it's all unraveling. Maybe it's a little bit of inexperience. Uh, I'm confused. You mentioned Jimmy Butler at 56. Donovan Mitchell had 57 just like a year ago. Like, what's happening? He had 38 game one, disappeared. I, I don't know, but I think that's I think that series is over. I actually think the Knicks win tonight and end it five. Yeah, so the Knicks are six point underdogs on the road. Uh, the Grizzlies are the ones with the four point uh, favorite. Um, that's the only bet I'm actually taking. That I'm personally for the small wager on the Knicks to cover. Uh, oh, yeah. Knicks to cover. I'm saying. I think they win, but I definitely six, think they cover yeah. even if they lose. Yeah, six is tough. I mean, so I thought pre series Julius Randle is going to get shut down. Isaac Okoro is going to be able to lock down Brunson. You know, they're going to have enough offense between Garland and Mitchell. This team can't can't compete. But just seeing like Isaiah Hartenstein and Mitchell Robinson just out muscle them, like it's tough. Like. Randall's having a god awful series. Isaiah quickly is like not even really a big yeah. factor after being like, you know, potentially six man of the year. Malcolm Brockman's clearly way better, but that's a side fact. But yeah, I mean, we knew it after game one. I didn't want to overreact to the other series, but I'm like, yeah, they're just more physical. And I think this is going to be consistent. Jalen Brunson's footwork in game four was so unreal. Like, I, I love it. The garden was just rocking. Like, this team's definitely going to win. Like, the Bucks probably got a good shot of coming back. Like, you, you can never count them out. And Jimmy Butler may be absolutely exhausted. For them to win tonight, like, you know, there's a reason they're 12-point underdogs. You know, they're in, they're in Milwaukee. Giannis is, isn't going to slow down. That team is substantially better. So it's probably going to be 3-2. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the Lakers and the Knicks both, both take over today. And uh, close out the series. I don't see any life in the Grizzlies. I don't even really... Do you even have anything you want to talk about with that? I feel like it's like... The Grizzlies are just such a dysfunctional team. They don't play well together. It's it's actually a tough watch. Like, Rui Hachimura is lighting them up. Austin Reeves is an absolute all-star against Dylan Brooks. Even though Brooks isn't really guarding him. He's guarding LeBron most of the time. But, you know, this is a team that should be really really good on defense they have the defensive player of the year and, and triple j i just don't see them even having any life left i feel like this is the type of team that just like throws in the towel it's like you know they just don't have the emotional burst do you, do you see it differently or do you see the lakers closing out tonight i do see the lakers closing out um i think memphis's only hope is that the lakes are a little tired because they're an older team so maybe on two days rest you know one day rest like a uh, playing Every other day, maybe they could get the win. I don't think so. I think the Lakers close out. The biggest thing takeaway from this is more I'm just looking at, wow, look how awesome LeBron James is. Like, the series feels like it's over. Memphis looks immature. Um, if they, they really do. They, they yeah. look confused, sloppy, lost, you know. The, the, the team just looks confused. Their one win is without Ja, so then some people are like, oh, I better without him, which is just another piece on top of the story of, like, this dysfunctional team. You had the Dylan Brooks thing, which, you know, looks terrible for him. He's trash talking. Now he doesn't need to speak to the media for the last two games. 
because they've lost. So that's, you know, another thing. It's just, they look like a team that has thrown in the towel, you said. Of all the teams that are on elimination, I actually give them the least amount of chance to win because they don't look like they're trying as hard. Like, even Atlanta, I give them a better chance because they look like they're hustling. Even though you would say, they're on paper, they're much worse than Memphis, yeah. but they're, they're trying. It almost seems like the Celtics aren't trying. Sorry confused. to cut you off, but like, it, that's that's the team that's being outworked. And the only reason the Celtics are in it is just because they're yeah. so much more talented. They look at that matchup, they're like, it's a cakewalk, we're fine, we don't need to hustle, we don't need to play that hard. But we'll win eventually. But they should have more of an urgency, like you said. I'm like, all right, we see, you know, the 76ers, even though they swept, like, they're back against the wall with Joel Embiid injured. Like, we should step on their throat and win this series. But then on the other side, like, the Grizzlies, I don't see it. You know, there was a reason we haven't really talked too much about the series. The Lakers had full control, even though going into it, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of a toss-up. I'm like, like, is Anthony Davis reliable? But he's consistent. LeBron James is averaging 13 rebounds a game. Like, he's he's got more rebounds than anybody. He's got more rebounds than yeah. Gobert, more rebounds than Jokic, more rebounds than all these big boys. He just knows where to go, knows the positioning, yeah. using that old man strength. Now, LeBron, he's, he's, you know, LeBron is doing what he has to. He's not shooting well. He's, he hasn't been scoring well. Everybody, and forget the whole, uh, you know, drop 40 on me thing. And they're like, well, 2020 is 40, you know, the rebounds and the points. He's one from seven to three. The whole series, he hasn't been shooting well, but he's doing what the best players do, which is, I can't hit, I don't got the shot tonight, then I'll be the rebounder. I'll be your defender. You know, he's saying, he's not just sitting in the corner and pouting because he missed a three-pointer. He's putting in the shots that have to go. So I like that a lot. You know, he, he he's doing what he has to do. Hustle, putting that old man, I, w- I will wear whatever hat you want. Do you want me to be passing the ball, rebounding the ball, score the ball in the end? He made the shots when he had to in the end, but it's whatever you need me to do. I'll do it. Yeah, I mean, I know going into this podcast, I thought we would heavily talk about the Eastern Conference, but the Western Conference still equally is intriguing. And honestly, for me, the best series, I mean, for some reason, I'm so intrigued by this Cavs next series, but it's sloppy as hell. The best series so far has been oh, yeah. the Warriors and the Kings. Like, it's 2-2. Definitely. They're playing tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern time. It's, it's prime time. Golden State Warriors are favored by two on the road. Like, another coin toss matchup. Like, really don't know who's going to win. And even, like, so we were re-celebrating Easter. Unfortunately, like, we weren't able to celebrate Easter with my family uh, two weeks ago at the rest of the world. So we celebrated Easter this Sunday. So I went over to my mom's house. We had good food. Um, and, you know, I'm the only person. I'm, a, I'm the only person in my family that likes basketball. But I'm watching with my cousins and my uncles. And they, like, you know, slow dads. They like making fun of me. I'm like, you're the only one that likes this. How do you like this? Whatever. But they like they gave it a shot, you know. They were watching Steph Curry, and that's what's so amazing about Steph Curry. That was the thing that like stood out to me. There were like oohs and ahs from my aunts and uncles, and like people barely even know like what basketball is about, but they could see the skill. Like you, you watch a guy, you know, not to talk too much about the NHL playoffs. We're we're more basketball guys, but you watch a guy like Connor McDavid. He's substantially faster, stronger. He just looks different. Even if I've never watched a hockey game before, I'd be like, all right, that guy's probably really good, right? You watch like a guy like Lionel Messi or like Rafa Nadal. Like these are guys that are absolutely superior. To see a guy like Steph Curry, especially at his size, you know, I can't say enough about him, especially at this age. And they need every ounce from him. You know, he's a guy who I remember years ago, I was like concerned if he was going to be able to keep this up because he runs so much. And that's how, you know, it's, it's like gravity, like wherever he goes, the defense needs to go. 
it's almost in an opposite way about Jokic, but we'll, we'll keep the Steph Curry here. Like he, he has this gravitational pull around him and they're locking up Sabonis. Sabonis is doing absolutely nothing in the series. I'm a little concerned about Fox. I think he has like a fractured tip on his shooting hand. He's still averaging a bunch of points. He's averaging 32 points a game. You know, Steph is sixth on this list of playoff performers. He's averaging 32 a game, but he's shooting five for 13 per game from three point, 40% from three, 49% from the field. He's, he's lighting it up, but he's helping everybody else get that opening. Do you see this series any differently? I think pre-series, we were thinking Warriors. Of course, no road team has won so far. Maybe the Warriors can win the first road game this tonight. But what's your what's your feelings on this series? Well, uh, okay. pre-series, I did. I picked the Kings. That was like my big upset. Um, I picked them in our draft also. I was like, you know what? I think they're gonna do well. I was obviously feeling really good when I have two thousand. Uh, I want to touch on when you first started when you mentioned Easter because this has been yeah. by far the best series to watch. You watch this series, it's almost like they played a different game than the rest of it. it you know, it reminds you of watching like a Chiefs game mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, that's a different type of NFL game. It's high scoring. Like it's 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 such a really fun watch. And I'll mention my fiance yeah. watches no basketball. As a matter of fact, she watches no sports at all. I mean, like, probably knows like LeBron James, maybe Steph Curry. That's it. She couldn't name me anything. And she's watched two basketball games of the entire playoffs, the Kings Warrior game. And I was actually shocked because this for this this was after the game. She watched the end of the first game and she actually asked me when the second game was and watched it with me. And then asked me like two days later, uh-huh. I was like, Oh, when's the next game? Because she's actually enjoyed watching it. And normally okay. like I'll put on a basketball game, she'll go in the other room and just like read a book, put on music, like no interest at all. Because even like the casual person can see the difference. It's like faster, yeah. better, more exciting, the shots are going in. This is a fun watch for anybody, and I feel a little robbed because if Fox injury is bad, it's a broken tip of the index finger, you feel like you're robbed because this has been the best series. It's also been on paper, not just like the eye test is the best series, and on paper. It's the only series I went to do. We've had three of the four games come down pretty close to the end. Two of them come down to literally the last shot. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's been Sunday, a great series. On Sunday, it was Knicks Cavs, so, you know, opening up, rock fight, grind them out missed passes everywhere they had zero interest they were like eating chips in the corner mm-hmm. yapping they're like oh tim you know you're watching i'm like flipping from the kitchen you know trying to like throw everything the oven like you know take it take care of the kitchen um help my mom out for sure um you know just a good boy <laughs> so just uh loosely watching the it's next just... game as much as possible but then i'm like guys once the warriors are on like that's what i'm doing and they couldn't help it they they couldn't even make fun of it after a while they're mm-hmm. like oh wow like Ooh, that was really a nice shot. And I remember my aunt once was like, oh, damn. I was like, what? Okay. Okay. He gets people that aren't interested in basketball at all, like, interested. And I I see, you know, little kids at the park. Like, I try to teach them, like, all right, come on, guys. You got to work on layups more than threes. But, you know, that's the the NBA today. Like, they just jack it up. They're, like, so tiny. Like, you can barely reach. But, like, you want want to be like Steph. He, uh, he's... He's such a great role model. It's so fun to watch. Uh, I think tonight decides the rest yeah. of the series. I know game five generally does. It's like the winner of game five wins 80%. But because A, you're going to see, is Fox hampered? If Fox is hampered, then I think you're definitely going to say Golden State wins, and they probably win in six. Because if he's hampered, they're going to win tonight, and then they'll close out at home. If he could play really well, 
then I think this series goes yeah, seven. Plus the Warriors, if they got to get a road game, it's going to be tough for game seven. You know, you got to get in five and then close out at home. They've been at, we don't have to exhaust it. I'm sure anybody who's listening to any content about basketball, every time the Warriors come up, it's always about how bad they are on the road and why are they such a great team at home. But the, yeah, they... the, the fans are also extremely ruckus. Like, it's nice to see the Knicks at home, but, like, the Cavs aren't. It's nice to see the Knicks at home, but, like, the Cavs, Cavs fans aren't as locked in as these Warriors fans and, and these Kings fans who haven't seen their team in the playoffs in decades. All right, before we wrap it up, Scotty, any any yeah. last notes you want to plug in? Anything else on your mind? Uh, nothing jumps out crazy for me except for, you know, let's just sure. talk some non-playoff well, like Rock- outside. Like, <laughs> no, okay. all right, next year. No, 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 basketball, but say, uh, like, not necessarily is it related players. Um, Kawhi Leonard, uh, does he get cut from the Clippers or Trader or something? Like, what goes on there? What happened this year to playoffs? Everybody thought Phoenix was going to crush him. And judging by how close it was, you'd think if he was there, they might have been able to win that series. Now, I'm really curious on how that, you know, most sets. I think it's it's a domino effect that's going to be hitting harder after the players are over because we're distracted right now of how that affects the entire NBA, trades, cut, and it even goes down a what-if scenario. Kawhi Leonard's career seems like a giant what-if scenario of what if he did get injured this year? What if he played this year? So... That definitely jumps in my mind a little bit. And are we being a little unfair to the Sixers? Me, particularly, I keep talking about James Harden. They're the only team that swept. And, like, nobody's really talking about them. I think I put on the TV. I I understand you can't talk about a team that's not playing, but they sweep it, and everybody is still, including us, saying, oh, Boston's going to be the next year, next round. Nobody is giving them much credit at all. Yeah, is that a Doc Rivers effect? He has definitely Doc Rivers effect. I mean, he can't even get Joel and beat openings when the man's healthy. Like he's just. It, we keep going back to coaching, like the Cavs and JB Bickerstaff. Like Doc Rivers, of course, historically, like you know, people don't trust him enough. Like you know, how much do you? How much credit do you give to Doc? You know, when you got Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, like Rondo, like Big Baby Davis, like that team's loaded. Like almost anybody can win with that, right? And people thought he was like a player's coach. But then even like CP3, J.J. Redick, DeAndre Jordan, um, Blake Griffin, like that team he, he wasn't able to do much with. It's tough. He needs this bad. And if you have Harden and Embiid, you got to do something. I just, I don't have a lot of faith in Maxi to keep it up. I don't know if he's there yet. And Tobias Harris is like, he's that guy. I'm like, oh yeah, Tobias Harris is playing. You know, I kind of forgot. He may have like a sneaky fifteen points, five rebounds, five assists, like, but like he he, he doesn't have like an impact on the game. Like I know Maxi's on the court. He at least like he's flashy. He tries. He's moving. I got my eye on him even when he's off ball. Tobias Harris is a guy that like sometimes you watch a game. There's ten guys to watch. I generally don't like focus my attention on the ball constantly. So he'll be a guy that I'm like, oh, he's been in the game for how many minutes? Is it? Oh, 22, 22 minutes. I didn't realize Tobias Harris still playing. Like, he can't be your number three guy. But Maxi has been. But no. second round versus Brogdon and White, going back to it, if the coaching can figure it out, hopefully they can learn the lesson from the Trey Young and DeJounte Murray fiasco. You know, you're, you're losing two games to the Hawks. You got to get a chip on your shoulder and be like, all right, like, we're not letting this happen. I think I think the Celtics got to take care of that series. Okay, so I just yeah. want to throw in one more then, and not to stretch out because I've got for a second. 
We're looking at a lot of potential coaching issues. Milwaukee loses. Do they consider firing Bootholzer? If what if Boston actually loses? Let's say theoretically they lose two more in a row. What happens there? Uh, I want to keep my eye on, like it was thrown under the radar. I don't know if anybody was paying attention at the Raptors. That's not even Harris, sleeper. I think is like an excellent every coach. everybody in the media has been talking about that for a while. He doesn't even want to be a part of that team. I would almost guarantee it's going to happen. But what I'm saying is, if somebody underachieves hugely right now, it looks like Milwaukee. If you're walking, oh, Nick Nurse is fantastic. He just doesn't want to be in that situation anymore. Something about Toronto, yeah. like no, he's like, he's like a Steve Kerr level. He's an Eric Spoelstra level. He's a genius. I love. Him. He does a lot of beautiful things. Yeah, he's an excellent coach. So I'm saying, if we know he's a good coach, the question is, you if you're of your one of those teams, those top that, four yeah, or five teams, yeah. would you consider get getting rid of your current coach? You know, let's take Boone for example. You were planning on keeping him no matter what, and you say, yeah, but. It's not often that we have an excellent coach, top five coach available, so we can make that upgrade. Maybe Philly says, you know what, Doc, you keep losing these series. Maybe we want to go for this guy. It's, how often do you have a top-tier coach on the market? So if you're one of these top, say, four or five teams, and you particularly you lose in, like, what would be considered upset second round, all these teams we're talking about are teams that are the least conference finals teams. Then you say, oh, we didn't plan on getting rid of our coach, but the opportunity is there. Sometimes the opportunity isn't always there, and you just got to take it. So I'm curious about that. I want to see, I mean, yeah. chaos is news and news is fun to cover. So I want to see a interesting coach. Hour. I want to see a, a shocking, oh my God. So let's go. We got, we got Nick's heat second round. Bucks are going to lose. Boonhoser's fired. Nick nurse to the Bucks. Bucks win the championship next year. We're calling it right here. Let's go. Yeah, we're calling it out. I get your early predictions. You can probably get the best odds if you bet it now. I imagine Vegas will give you something. Absolutely. All right, let's wrap it up right there. I love it. So, all right, Nerdy Sports audience, you could you could follow us on, you know, Spotify, you know, leave a review. You could follow us on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, YouTube, watch the video, check out my new background. You know, Scotty's got a new mic. We both got our Yetis. We're ready to go. We're going to come back weekly. We're going to come back next week and give you some more deep dive on the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. Hopefully, we'll talk a little more second round and there'll be some more fun. Hopefully, Steph Curry's still alive. I would love to see Steph versus LeBron. You know where my my heart lies, boys. All right, Scotty. And as always, keep it nerdy. Keep it nerdy. Peace.